Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Amen. God's good. Amen. You can turn me down just a little bit because I'm, I'm loud up here. I don't know how loud I am up there. Um, but grab your Bibles and go with me to uh, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. Um, as you're turning there, whether it's a digital one or a paper one, um, how many of you guys know that digital is just so much easier, right? Because you can just point and click and get there. But how many of you guys love the old school paper Bible, right? How many of you guys have a scroll from, just kidding. Um, but hearing my wife talk about, um, talking about our camp coming up, um, got me actually thinking about her message last week too. How many of you guys were here for that message last week, the ripple effect? Such a great message uh, in our revival series. And uh, got me thinking about that when, as she was mentioning camp, uh, because our camp, you heard that, nine churches, up to nine churches have been involved. And uh, this is a dream that God put in our heart uh, as a church about seven years ago, and a little bit selfishly because I had teenagers, uh, they were just entering uh, their teenage years, and I wanted to do a camp, and so we brainstormed and started out with three churches, grew to nine churches because of COVID, five churches. Um, but I want you to know something, church, that's because of you. That's the ripple effect. Um, if you look around and you just see this, it's like, okay, there's a great community, there's a great church, but I want you to know what's taking place uh, doesn't just happen here on a Sunday morning. Uh, that because of Canvas Church, because of your generosity, because of all those that have served at our camp that we started, hundreds upon hundreds of lives have been impacted. And literally, young people impacted, souls saved, lives transformed, the testimonies coming out of it are absolutely incredible. And, uh, and so thank you for doing that. Uh, also got me thinking about um, uh, all of your generosity and giving to transform that gymnasium. Uh, as a ministry team, we're gonna gather together for the first time in there um, and cast some more vision. But uh, last November, uh, we stepped up and we gave and we were able to transform that space. And because of that, we now have hundreds of kids coming on this campus that would uh, not otherwise be here uh, to practice their basketball, soon to be volleyball, being trained in sports and athletics. Uh, it's happening throughout the whole entire week. Uh, and because of that, people are beginning to ask questions. Hey, what is this? There's a gym here. This is a church. Uh, I mean, the feedback that's coming out, what's happening? It's the ripple effect. Uh, because of your generosity, because you believe in the kingdom, man, things are happening. And I think that's just going to continue on. Uh, I can't wait to share with the ministry team today some more exciting stuff uh, with a, a sports ministry that's about to get started uh, right here at Canvas Church. Also, um, we shared with you guys something called City Hope. Um, a couple of months back, what is City Hope? City Hope is an organization that we've partnered with, um, and what it is is it's trained up several of you to be first responders uh, to people in crisis moments. And, uh, and that is about ready to go to the next level as they've contacted us and asked if we could be the hub for all of North County. Uh, what does that mean? That means uh, that they're gonna be ha housing stuff here for people to come and pick up. Uh, it's, gonna, it's just gonna open up incredible doors. And so I just wanna let you know, man, God is doing incredible things here at Canvas Church. This isn't just a series entitled Revival. I believe it's happening. God's getting us ready for an incredible harvest. Do you believe that today? Come on. And so here we are in the middle of our, our series entitled Revival. And what are we talking about? Uh, we're talking about people um, that, are, that, are, that are renewing their love for God, that they're, they're falling in love with God all over again. Um, how many of you guys know that in a, in a normal re relationship, uh, you know, marriage or otherwise, friendship, um, that you can begin to take each other for granted? Yeah? All right? Uh, it just happens, right? You get, it, it becomes common. You become used to it. Well, I believe that we're in a season where the church's eyes are being opened up to a big God once again. 
uh, man, that, that God loves us and God has a purpose for his church and God has a purpose for his people. Uh, I believe that people are falling all over, uh, loving it all over the word, amen? Um, that this isn't just something we get on Sunday morning, but this is our daily bread, that we're going to this, that people are, are getting back to that place, that people are falling in love with worship again and understanding that worship just isn't the moments that we had just minutes ago on the stage, but worship is a lifestyle. It's the way I live my life. It's the, it's the way I represent Jesus. It's the way I interact with other people. It's the, it's the way I interact with my boss, the way I, I, I use my finances. All of that is an expression of worship. I believe it's people falling in love with the community again, right? Wanting to be in community. Man, we saw it last week. Uh, man, there's so many people just hung out on our campus and just, man, pockets of community happening and, and seeing people encouraged and challenged by, by one another. And so I believe that's happening. What does the word revival mean? Uh, simply the word revival means a renewed attention to or interest in something. So what are we talking about? We're talking about a renewed interest in the things of God. If you want some notes, you can just shoot your hand in the air. The ushers are coming with some right now. A renewed interest in the things of God. And so here's what we did about six weeks ago. We just decided to go back to one of the, the first mentions of a revival in scripture found in the book of Acts. What's happening in the book of Acts? In the book of Acts, Jesus Christ has already gone to the cross. He's already died for the sins for all of humanity. The Bible says that he has risen again. And for 40 days, he walks the earth in that risen state before he ascends into heaven. In Acts chapter one, we've already read that. Uh, Acts chapter one, what we see is we see that ascension. Uh, Jesus gives some last minute um, uh, things for his disciples. And he says, hey, I want you to go wait for the gift that I'm gonna give you the gift of the Spirit. And then the Bible says that he ascends into heaven. And so we've been going through the book of Acts, jumping around a little bit. But I'm gonna go back to Acts chapter two, and I'm gonna read to you 12 verses. Acts chapter two, starting in verse one. And it says this, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, on the day of Pentecost. What is, what is Pentecost? Pentecost is a celebration uh, of the Jews and it takes place 50 days after the Passover. What is the Passover? Just real quick, you can go back to the Old Testament and read about that. But the Passover became a celebration of remembrance uh, of when the children of Israel were delivered out of Egypt and they were commanded to go and, and put blood on the doorpost. And they would put this, the blood on the doorposts, and the Bible talks about that the angel came over uh, the, the, the land of Egypt, and wherever there was blood over the doorpost, the angel would pass over, and the curse would not come upon them, okay? And so then they have a celebration called fast, a Passover. Well, they also have a celebration called Pentecost, and it takes place 50 days after the celebration of the Passover, and so here they are for this celebration. All the believers were meeting together in one place. These are the ones that, that Jesus said, I want you to go wait. And so they're waiting in this room. And it says, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Now let me pause right there, because I'm sure some of you, as you read the Bible like me, you have genuine questions. Like, like did fire really appear on their heads? Right? Like, what did that look like? How many of you guys like to do a little campfire or a little bonfire at the beach, right? I mean, that's probably, that, for me, that's the first image that comes to my mind. You know, there's little bonfires on people's heads, right? Um, we don't know exactly what that looked like, um, here is the context. 
He's using what he understands to, to, to try to describe what he's seen. And, and so the only analogy he can come up with is, you know, it kind of it looks like a flame of fire. kind of looks like, like that, okay? And it's sitting upon them, settled on each one of them. Verse four, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages. This is what uh, we have coined as the church across the globe as tongues. They began to speak in other languages, other tongues, as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. Highlight that in your mind or in your Bible, literally, if you have a pen or if you have a digital one. They began to speak in other tongues. How? As the Holy Spirit gave them the, this ability. Verse five. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. Okay? You got the picture. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own, listen to it now, languages being spoken by the believers. Okay, I want you to get the context here. Every language known to man at this time is represented right here in Jerusalem. Many of it because they're living there, but many of it because they, they came to gather there to celebrate this thing called Pentecost. And so every language is there, verse seven. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own languages, our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, all these other people, they're listed there, okay? Cretans and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages, what are they speaking about? The wonderful things God has done. Everyone's hearing in their own language. God did this, God did this, this is what they're hearing. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked one another. What is going on? What is taking place? What can this mean? Mean. I want to speak to you the next few moments about God the Restorer. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you that your word is awesome. God, your word is powerful. God, your word is incredible. And I pray that in this moment, God, in the next few moments that we have, that, that Lord, your word would come alive in this place and you would speak to us, not just from a text, but God, you would speak to us in the very moment that we're at right now in our life. That God, this text, God would bring hope, God would bring healing, God would bring restoration, God would bring peace, God would bring whatever we need in our life today. So help me now, create an environment for people to discover your son Jesus, know your incredible love, and understand the amazing plan that you have for their life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Do I have any why people out there? Any why people? Nobody? A few hands? Maybe you don't know what I mean by that. Like, like why people? Like, like for instance, I, I've been coaching basketball um, this year and I've been enjoying that. I've been the assistant coach for the girls at a high school as well as assisting the boys. And, uh, but this last week for the boys, the head coach was out, so I had my first, come on, opportunity to be the head coach. Come on, somebody. Now, I, I, I mean, I, I've, got, I've just got to lay some things out here. Um, I, I got an opportunity to work with them all by myself for one practice, and then we went into this, this game. And it's a game they lost by 30 just eight days previous. Same team, lost by 30. And so I'm a little nervous. I'm thinking to myself, like, if we can just only lose by 29, that's a little better. Come on, somebody, right? 
I mean, that's better, right? It's an improvement. We're heading in the right direction. And so, man, I had a practice and I worked with them and they explained some things. And man, they went out and played with so much energy and so much passion. It was so exciting to watch. And, uh, and so here it is. There's 19 seconds left and the score is 41 to 44. And there's 19 seconds left. Yeah, you heard that right. 41 to 44. That's a big improvement from 30. Thank you. And, 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 19, and they, we get the ball and they're coming down court. Now, I haven't been, been working with them much, so I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know what's going through their mind. But my thought is, is he's probably gonna beeline for a layup and get two points, but we need three points. And so I just call a timeout. And, 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 and he's got a clear path to the lane. And I can hear some of the crowd on the sideline like, what are you doing? Mainly my wife, because she doesn't understand basketball as well as I do. Um, <laughs> And I hear people on the sideline like, what are you doing, you know? And, and I can even see some of the looks on some of the kids' faces, but we set up a play to try to score a, a three-pointer. And, uh, and so we set up this play, and we run it, uh, we get the shot off, we miss, we get the rebound, 1.2 seconds, I call another timeout, we set up a three-point play, we run it, man, guy comes to the top with 1.2, man, he catches the ball, man, he fades away, and all time stands still. That was awesome. And there goes the ball clank and he misses it and we lose. Um, <laughs> that's not the point of the story. It's a great game. The point of the story is this, is that the next day I, I had them all gather around and I wanted to explain to them why we called the timeout. Why were we doing that? Here's the content. That, that's what I mean by some why people. How many of you guys are out there that if you understand what your employer is asking you to do, man, you do it with everything. But if they're just like, hey, go dig that hole, you're like, Why? And if the response is, I told you so, you're like, that's not good enough, right? Like, I know you. Now, if he says, because I'm gonna pay you, well, okay, then I'll do it, right? But, um, but sometimes you just need to know the why behind, behind what's going on, because if you understand the why, then everything else just kind of makes, makes more sense. Like, it gives you purpose. It gives you, it gives you like, okay, I, I can do this. I, I know where we're going with this. Some why. I, I need some context. I need to know why we're doing this. Well, here in this passage, to me, this passage makes no sense unless you understand some why. I mean, here it is. They're, they're all together. They're in one place. And, and the Bible says, man, there's this mighty rushing wind. That's kind of epic. I get that part. God wants to show off and he wants to come. I mean, tongues of fire. Okay, God, go for it. Um, but he could have picked anything when he baptized them in the Holy Spirit. He, I mean, he could have done anything, like gold crowns. Why not? He's God. Right? Like, like okay. Like, we all get brand new cars. Come on, somebody. <laughs> He's God. He could have done anything. And, 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 and yet he chooses this thing called tongues, this language. And see, I grew up in a movement where it was just a part of who we were. I was, I was what we call baptized in the Holy Spirit and got my heavenly language when I was about eight or nine years old. I still remember where I was at. I was at a youth camp and I was too young to be at the youth camp. And yet my mom was playing the piano for the youth camp. And so, man, I was a church kid. Wherever there was church, there were my parents, there was I. Sometimes I was coloring in the back. We didn't have iPads. But there I was, eight or nine years old. My mom's playing the piano for this youth camp and so she gets done playing after worship, comes, sits down, the message goes on, and it's all about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't even know if I remember anything that was said. I don't even know if I was listening. I'm, I'm, I'm eight or nine years old. 
But then I remember there was this altar call, and I remember my mom looking over at me as we're standing there, and she goes, Ben, do you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And I'm like, sure. That was literally my response. I'm like, yeah, why not? Yeah, cool. And literally she turned to pray with me, and just boom, like that, I began to speak in another language. I'm telling you, my mom spoke in another language, my dad spoke in another language, I spoke in another language, my brother spoke in another language, most of the people in our church spoke in another language, and I just kind of grew up in it. But then I remember as I got older, I'd be like, hey, what's this thing all about? Well, it, it, it's, it's, and I'd get these descriptions, well, it's your secret language between you and God. I'm like, why? Why do I need a secret language between me and God? I mean, like getting a hold of God is hard enough the way it is. Come on, somebody. Like, why do I need this secret language? Like, what, like okay. Well, it, you know, Jude 20 says it builds yourself up on your most holy faith. Okay, I like that. I like that. But there's a lot of other things he could have done to help me build up myself on my most holy faith, right? Like, why? And I'm telling you, when I got to college, I began to dive in. And I began to say, wait a second, Why? Why? Why tongues? And I begin to ask this question, what, what, what is this? Why tongues? So you gotta have context in order to understand tongues. You gotta have context. What do I mean by context? Um, most of you know me and my wife on, on, on a, a minimal relational level. Um, and so you see us here and she's on stage, I'm here, we say hi, we say hello. And we don't hang out throughout the week necessarily, but um, several years ago, we made the mistake at a church picnic of um, being on opposite teams in a, in a volleyball game. Now, see, if you don't understand, if you don't have context, what you walked away from that picnic was, Pastor Ben and Katie need a counselor. Because you have no context. You, you don't understand that, that we are super competitive. Like, like, if you've ever played a board game with us, you probably never want to play with us again. Have you ever played a card game with us? You don't want to play with us again. Well, when it comes to like competition, like we are, we are ultra, ultra competitive. And, and I had to learn very quickly that, hey, guess what? The most of the church doesn't have the context of your guys' you know, competitive, wonderful relationship that you have. Like literally, we had to, we had to like, we, I'll be honest with you, I stopped playing games at church picnics. <laughs> and now if there's ever a church picnic, people come, are you, are you okay, Pastor Ben? Oh, I'm great, I'm fine, I'm fine. You just want me to be your pastor, okay? So let's just leave it at that, right? But see, if you have context and you get to know us, you're like, oh, no, they're just, they're just having fun. They're just competitive, you know? She has yet to beat me. They're, they're just competitive, <laughs> right? You, you got to have, have context, context. You need to have the understanding and the context of the nature of God in order to understand Acts chapter 2. If you don't, Acts chapter 2 really is kind of one of those ones like, that's weird. Let's let the Pentecostal charismatic churches talk about it. Right. Yeah. That's, or we'll just read through it, right? Or we'll skip over. Let's go from Acts 1 to Acts 3, right? Because it makes, it makes no sense unless you understand the very nature of God. So let me give you some context. Here's the context. God is a restorer. God is a restorer. Listen to this, this verse. I love this verse because it really speaks to the nature of who God is. First Peter 5.10. It 
It says, so after you have suffered a little while, I don't like that part, but listen to the rest of it. After you have suffered a little while, he will restore, come on, talk about the nature of God, support and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. I like that. Listen to this, this is the nature of God. So after you've suffered a little while, have you ever been there? You ever been in that place where, man, I feel like I'm suffering, I feel like I'm going through some stuff, I feel like I'm being, being accused of some stuff, I feel like, man, there's some chatter going on in the background, man, I don't really feel, man, the best, whether it be spiritually or emotionally or whatever it is, but guess what, here's the promise of God, why? Because it's his nature. Guess what, after you've gone through that, he'll restore you, he'll support you, he'll strengthen you, he'll place you on a firm foundation. One of our core values here at Canvas Church, uh, one of the biggest ones, is restoration. We believe that God's a restorer. We believe it's one of the, the primary things he's been doing since Genesis 1 all the way to the end of Revelation. That it talks about a God who redeems, a God who restores, a God who revives, a God who brings back to life. And we believe that's what he's doing in your life and in your story, that he's, he's restoring and so it's one of our, our core values, man. One of the most exciting things when we walked into our first facility. Man, you can ask my wife, like, like I like new things, but man, there's something so awesome about grabbing hold of something vintage and being, bring life back into it. And seeing this place, this, in the natural, just seeing this place restored, I believe it's symbolic of what God's doing in the spirit realm. He's restoring He's restoring, and we begin to see the effects and the impact of that restoration. God is a restorer. Listen to me. Much of the passage of Acts chapter 2, really, really Acts chapter 1 through 3, it's really a picture of God the restorer. It, it, it's really what's happening, what Paul talks about in Galatians when he says, hey, there, in Jesus, there is no more Jew. There's no more Gentile. There's no more slave. There's no more free. There's no more male. There's no more female. What, what, what's Paul talking about there when he's going at the, uh, after the church of Galatia? He's talking about a God of restoration. And really what Acts chapter two is, it's a picture of that happening. How do we know that? Look at it. Look who God chooses to use to preach the revival message. Right after the Holy Spirit's poured out, and man, all these people are speaking in this language, and they're coming like, what's taking place? Who gets up to preach the first revival message ever? A guy named Peter. Well, what's so profound about that? Peter was the guy who Jesus looked at and said, hey, you know what? Before I get crucified, you're gonna deny me Three times. No, I'm not. Not gonna happen. Even if I have to go to the, the grave with you, I will not deny you. Well, guess what happens? Peter denies him three times. Guess what Jesus does when he's, after his resurrection and he's visiting with people, shows up to Peter and restores Peter. And now Peter, one who's been restored, preaches the first revival message ever and 3,000 souls get saved. It's powerful. It's a picture of revival. How do we know it's a picture of revival? What does he, he, he reference in his message? He references Joel chapter two. Oh no, no, th these people aren't drunk. They said they're not drunk like you think. I guess back then when you got drunk, you spoke in other languages, I don't know. 
They're not drunk. No, this is what, what? This is what the prophet Joel spoke about. What's happening? God's bringing it into fruition. God's bringing it back. Why is this taking place? Because he is a restorer. The whole crux of the message, repent. What does the word repent mean? It means to be, go back to the top. Peter preaches this message. We, we talked about it several weeks ago. Peter preaches this message, and they're, they're pierced to their hearts. They say, what, what do we need to do to be saved? Oh, you gotta repent. What is that? That's go back to the place that God originally intended you to be. Go back to that place. What is that? That's restoration. So here we are, outpouring of the Holy Spirit. God's a restorer. He could have done anything, but he says, hey, I'm gonna give him a language. What's God doing? God is restoring something he did thousands of years ago. He says, I'm gonna give you a language. Go with me, Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11, <clears throat> New Living Translation. 11 verses in to the Bible, or 11 chapters into the Bible. Genesis 11, if you've read your Bible, you've heard this story before. It's known as the Tower of Babel. Verse one, so that at one time all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylon and settled there. They began saying to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone and tar, uh, was used for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. Now I want you, I want you to get some context here. Here they are, one language. Everyone spoke the same language. There were no multiple languages. Everyone knew, uh, understood one another when they talked. Here they are, and they come together and they say, hey, guys, we wanna stay buddy-buddy. We wanna stay together, and we wanna make a name for ourselves. Problem number one. We're not here to make us famous, we're here to make him famous. We're not here to make a name for ourselves. We're here to make a name for Jesus. Problem number two, listen to what they said. Let's do that lest we be scattered across the face of the earth. Problem number two, Genesis chapter one, 26, 27, 28. What do he say? He said, I want you to be fruitful, I want you to multiply, and I want you to fill the whole entire earth. Here they are focused on themselves, let's make a name for us. Here they are saying, hey, let's not do what God wants us to do, let's do what we wanna do. Let's not be scattered across the face of the earth, let's, let's make a name for ourselves and let's, let's stay here, verse five. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower uh, of the people were building. Look, he said, who is he talking to? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Are you hearing that? 11 chapters into the Bible, one language, unified under one language. Let's do our thing, let's do this thing. 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, peek down. Uh, problem. If we don't do something about it, this is the Bible, ladies and gentlemen. If we don't do something about it, nothing will be impossible for them. But God has a plan. He's like, no, no, it's, it's my name that's gonna be famous. Verse seven, here's their plan. Come, let us go down and confuse the people with different languages, then they won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world and they stopped building the city. What happened? God shows up and says, hold on a second. This is about me. He has a God complex. <laughs> this is about me. This is about my plan. This is about my agenda. This is my creation. This, this, I own this, and I'm gonna see what I want to be fulfilled, fulfilled. And so I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do something here to make sure that it happens. Thousands of years later, He's a God of restoration. Thousands of years later. Here they were in, in Babylon, and they were like, let's make a name for ourselves. United, but with the wrong heart. Here they are now thousands of years later, having endured conflict, having endured trials, having endured all these things. The whole entire time, God coming on the scene, establishing himself as their king, as their ruler. And now, here we are, New Testament, Acts chapter 2. Jesus Christ went to the cross. He said, man, it is finished. My job is done. Now I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit shows up and says, okay, I'm going to do my job. It's a job of finishing. It's a job of restoration. And he shows up. Why tongues? Because he's a God. God of restoration. And he says, oh, you're united under the right heart now. You're united together in one place. Okay, here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna go back what I did thousands of years before and I'm gonna give you one language and I'm gonna unify you because a unified church, nothing will be impossible for them. A unified church. I'm not talking about a unified canvas church. I'm talking about a unified global church. I'm talking about God's people under the power and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He wants to unify. He says, okay, I know I did this back here, but I got something for you now. I'm gonna restore it, and I'm gonna bring about something great because if nothing would be withheld from them then, surely nothing will be withheld from them now. Nothing's gonna be impossible. What is he doing? God is restoring. God is bringing together. God is unifying. God is doing a work. Back then, it was with the wrong heart. Here in Acts chapter two, it's with the right heart. This original word, they're in one place, they're in one accord. I can't even pronounce it because I didn't pay attention in my Hebrew and Greek classes. <laughs> but this is what it means. It means with one mind, with one accord, and with one passion. Here they are, Acts chapter two. One mind, one accord, one passion. And God says, I'm going to show them my nature. I'm going to restore that which I took away back then. And he shows up and gives them this new incredible language. Do I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with evidence speaking in tongues? Absolutely. Do I speak in tongues? 100%. Do I believe every believer can? Yes, I do. Do I believe God wants to do that for every believer? I do believe that. Because I don't believe I'm special. 
and that I get something that somebody else doesn't. But here is what I want you to hear today. That the reason he did it goes back to his nature. And the reason he chose that is he wants you to know more than anything today that he can restore your story. It doesn't matter what it looks like. If he would go back thousands of years, if that thing would float there and he would understand it, he would know it, and he would get to this point thousands of years later, okay, I'm gonna restore that. How much more in your life does God wanna restore your story? That area that you think you blew it. That area that, 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 that you kind of put just a, a period on and said, well, I, I, up until this point, man, it was great. Up until the divorce, man, life was really good. Or up until the marriage, life was really good. Up until this, when this happened. See, here's the thing. Some of you right now are living in that realm. Some of you right now, as I'm, as I'm sharing this message with you, you could say, man, that's a great thought. That's a great idea. But you know what? I'm stuck in this place. Some of you are stuck in a spot right now. You're stuck in this place. You're stuck. Worship team, come on up. You're stuck in this spot. You're like, you're like in a holding pattern, like, like, like there's an offense and you can't get past it. No, God wants to restore. There's a grudge and you're not willing to let go, but God's like, no, nah, I want to restore. There's some hurt, there's some pain, and it's legitimate. But God wants to restore. God wants to restore. God wants to restore. God is a restorer. And I believe with all my heart that if he would go back to something he imposed thousands of years earlier and said, here's the moment, I'm gonna show my nature, I'm gonna show how good I am, I'm gonna restore. I believe he can go back a year, two years, three years, 10 years, 50 years in your story. Go to that moment, go to that place, that place where you feel like you blew it and say, now, look what I'm gonna do. Look what I'm gonna do. I'm looking around the room right now and I'm seeing, so I'm seeing Sonny and, and Myrna back there. Man, what an incredible story. Had an opportunity several months ago uh, to go to the grand opening of their new facility. Incredible business owners. And man, to hear them share, and more importantly, to hear their employees share about them. I literally, you can ask my wife, we left in tears. Because we know the backstory. We know, we know, we know the marriage. Because you shared the testimony. I mean, there's so many stories like that all over this. I, I, think about, I think about this couple right here. Who two years ago, this one right here, who under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit starts sharing prophetically this morning, this powerful moment in the middle of worship, that two years ago, you could barely put a mic in her hand. It's true. I think about this guy right here who has led worship for years, but was told at other places, you don't have what it takes. You don't got the right voice, you don't got the stage presence, you got more stage presence than anybody. No, you, you, can't, you can't do worship. I mean, there's just story after story after story. See, he's a God of restoration. He's a God who restores. You might, you might be looking at divorce right now. Divorce is not final. 
God can even restore you to that person, or if he doesn't, guess what? He can restore your, your, your life, your, your relationships from ongoing. There's, there's people in here dealing with divorce. You're dealing with the loss of a friendship. You're dealing with some health issues. You're dealing with some, some, some stuff. Guess what? The story's not over. The story's not over. The story's not over. God is a restorer. God is a restorer. God is a restorer. And I, I just feel, I feel so strong. There's people in here that, man, you're, you're, you're caught up, you're hung up. Sometimes there's even a hesitancy to come to church, not because church was a place that created the pain, but because you're hung up on some pain. And it's like sucking the life out of you, sucking the wind out of you. But the very place you need to be is right here in the presence of God. He's a God of restoration. He's a God of restoration, no matter if it was your choice or something that was outside of your, your, your decision, your choice. God wants to restore your story. God wants to restore your story. Do me a favor, stand to your feet. As we conclude today, this is what I'm gonna simply do. Um, all restoration starts at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. No one comes to the Father except through Him. All restoration starts at the cross. It starts at the cross. Dylan, God's about to restore your story. Man. You guys don't know who Dylan is. I do, God does. And all the years, I'm telling you right now, all the years that the enemy has tried to rob you, tried to distort things, tried to take from you, I'm telling you God is about to do something that is gonna blow people's minds. I'm telling you, people that have known you since you were little, people that have known you in high school, they're gonna look and be like, that's Dylan? That's, that's happening in Dylan's life? Yeah, he's a restorer. He's a restorer. He's a restorer. You're here today. Just do me a favor. Close your eyes for a moment. You're online watching. Just close your eyes for a moment. I believe right now God wants to restore people's health. I believe he wants to restore people emotionally. I believe he wants to restore people relationally. And I believe he wants to restore people spiritually right now. I don't, I don't know what category you find yourself in, but I believe right now God wants to restore your health. God wants to restore your health. Do not allow the lie of the enemy to come and say, this is the way it's gonna be. You're gonna have to live with that. You're gonna have to medicate that. You're gonna have to have surgery for that. You're gonna, no, no, no. Let's go to God first. God's a restore. I believe there's people that need to be restored emotionally today. Your emotions, man, the, the enemy's been working overtime on your emotions. He's been working with anxiety, with doubt, with fear, those whispers that come in. I believe that God wants to restore relationally. There's some broken relationships in here, friendships. God wants to say, no, 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 no. I want my, I want my church unified. I want my people together. I want them in one accord, one passion, one mind. Because man, nothing will stop that church. And I believe there's people in here, God wants to restore you spiritually. God wants to restore your stories. He wants to bring you back. You're watching online. You're in this room. Every eye's closed. Every head's bowed. You're here today. 
and then you, you say, Pastor, that's me. I fit that category. There's four things. There's, 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 there's physical healing today. There's emotional healing today. There's relational healing today. And there's spiritual healing today. You're here. You know your story. You know where you're at. God is speaking to you right now in this moment through this message. That is you. Just shoot your hand in the air. What category are you? Shoot your hand in the air right now. Come on, come on, come on. I believe that healing is yours today. Come on, healing is yours today. Freedom is yours today. Deliverance is yours today. Come on, online, if you're, if you're shooting your hand up online, here's how you can do that digitally. Uh, you can just send prayer right now, prayer to 858-943-2221. Our service hosts are setting, sending up some links, but if we're having some complications, just simply get your phone out right now and text prayer to 858-943-2221. Just text prayer right now, and we're gonna connect with you. I believe God's restoring. Here's what I wanna do. Uh, there are about 20 or 30 of you that raised your hand. I wanna pray for you today. And, and here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna say one general prayer we're gonna dismiss, but if you fit one of those categories and say, that's me, I want you to get out of your seat as the band plays lightly and come up to this front. Some small group leaders will be here. Some pastors will be here. We're gonna pray for you. God, thank you that you're a God of restoration. God, thank you that you care enough for something you did thousands of years ago to come full circle and say, I'm gonna restore that. I'm gonna give them a language. I'm gonna, I'm gonna unify them once again. They're gonna be in one accord and the people that hear them are gonna hear their own native language and they're gonna hear them talking about the miraculous, wonderful workings of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God, thank you. Thank you for showing us by your very nature that you're a God of restoration. And I pray today, Lord God, that every broken story in here today would be mended. God, every defeated person here would be healed. God, every deflated person here would be lifted up today. And you would be a God of restoration to each and every one of us. Lord, I pray for those that are online right now. Let them feel your presence in this moment, coming to restore their story. God, I pray, Lord God, that a new chapter would be written. I pray that a new book would be written. I pray that many more days, Lord God, of us living out for your glory be written in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. Come on, if you raise your hand and you need prayer, come on and meet me up here right now. Come on, everybody else, God bless you. Thank you for coming today. Come back next week. Stick around for the ministry team. But come on, you need prayer. Come on up right now, small group leaders, pastors. Come on up. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.